31, like a good neighbor. He was around my age, gray hair, very attractive, and even in the middle of my tailspin, I could feel the sparks just flying off my fingertips, tongue, and eyes. In my time of grief and exhaustion, I had met up with someone that could make the sex ooze from every pore of my body. I decided at that point to stop trying to figure things out. He was my dad's neighbor and the head of the homeowners association. I was at a loss for words for about a minute. You don't seem old enough for the job. Isn't this a senior citizen's development? He laughed and then offered words of condolence to me and offered to help in any way he could. I told him I was to meet up with the crematorium representative on a highway the next night to pick up my dad's ashes, and I wasn't familiar with the location. I asked if he might offer directions. For some reason, I just started rambling to him about my younger sister passing away three months prior, same crematorium, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's a fact I forgot to tell you. Yeah, my sister died three months prior. She'd been sick for a long time. Bulimia. In fact, I raised one of her boys for four years, like he was one of my own. Again, my mother's daughter. As I digress, this is where I close my eyes while I'm in this cab. I can actually picture and envision a happy thought in the middle of all that misery. Out of pain and anguish came lust and delight. I don't think I would have made it through if not for the note I found from him, David, on the floor just under my dad's door upon my arrival the next day. If you need my help, just call. He wrote his number. I read it. I reread it, walked up the short flight of steps to my dad's living room, and cried, only silent tears. I found my dad's red terry cloth robe and wore it. It made me feel like he was with me, which stopped me from being mad at him, how can you be mad at your deceased parent while wearing their favorite article of clothing? You can't. I remember he used to say, If I can't take it with me, I'm not going. Well, he left, and he didn't take the robe, and he certainly didn't take me. Hmm. No makeup, eyes puffy from not crying enough and lack of sleep, hair a mess, wearing his robe— Standing downstairs by the front door while piling bags of garbage in neat rows, there was a knock on the door. I froze. But then I realized I didn't care who it was. I needed another human being in my presence, and yet I still answered through the door, Who is it? I'm not dressed. As I said the words, I opened the door a crack and saw David poised in a knocking mode. I stepped aside and let him in. I wasn't even embarrassed at the way I looked, which is so unlike me. I never let a man see me looking like a mess. Ever. He mentioned he was on his way to work, would be home at 4 p.m., and if I'd like a break from this madness, to come on by for a glass of wine. I thanked him, and he left. I felt he was just being polite, and didn't take him up on the offer. The next night, I ran into him in the hallway, and he said, You know, the offer still stands. He opened his door, motioned me in, and like the sacrificial lamb, I went. Who am I kidding? I went with intent. This was a hot guy who might rescue me from the worst days of my life. I could at least dream. I sat down on the chair he offered across from his and drank the wine he poured. 
I'm surprised thinking back that I didn't gulp it down. We drank, we talked, and I don't know if I visibly flirted with him or not. I really don't, but I do know at one point, an hour or so later, he went to fill up our glasses again, came back, put them down, leaned over, and kissed me. Exactly as I dreamed he'd do. It was the second time in my life that I felt a man might have saved my life. He stood up, pulled me up with him, and this time I kissed him back. I'll never forget the look on his face, ever. He took a step back, sort of rubbed his hair, shook his head and said, I didn't mean for that to happen. I'm sorry, but I've never had anyone kiss me like that before. I looked, watched, wondered what in the world was happening, and then I moved forward and kissed him again. I was starving, absolutely starving for what he may have to offer me. This man that I'd just met, who saw me at my worst, brought out my best, picked me up and carried me to his bedroom. I offered no resistance. If I could have, I would have beamed myself up to save him the trip. But I needed to be lifted after carrying all that weight on my own for what felt like an eternity. He laid me down, told me it would all get better in time, but he would make it better right now. I felt myself stifle a sob. I didn't want him to hear because I was afraid he'd stop, so I bit my lip to shut myself up. He undressed me slowly, kissing me, touching me, and making me forget where I'd been and look forward to where I might go. He told me I was beautiful and made me think I must be in heaven. I thought it had been such a long time since anyone had said those words to me, and it was the first time in a while that I'd actually let myself believe them. Maybe I was, at least to him. It was enough to make me feel something, some stirring that had been barren for months and months. Oh my God, it was like he brought me back to life. I was able to tell him things I liked, and he'd do them, no questions asked. He was like a sponge. I did things to him that brought forth a response that I hadn't seen in a man since what felt like an eternity ago with my younger lover. Overwhelming doesn't come close to what I felt and what I saw on his face. All I wanted to do was please him, as it just made me feel so worthwhile in the middle of feeling worthless. After all of those nights of sleeping in my dad's sagging bed, I spent the next ten nights sleeping in this man's beautiful, strong arms. He'd stroke me to sleep and fill me up in the mornings before he'd leave for work. I'd think of him touching me all day while cleaning and packing up my dad's hidden personality. And I'd end the day, finally, smiling. I felt a little of the old me coming back to life. With my dad's girlfriend living across the hall, it was very sleuth-like sliding from one apartment to another, unnoticed. Very slick, very careful, very calculating. No one ever knew. I taught him to do things he'd never done. That turned him on, almost to the point where he was out of control. Put your hands in my hair. Wrap it up in your own ponytail version and pull. Guide my mouth to where you want it. It was like he felt it was beyond belief what had been delivered to his doorstep, and I was just living inside his own private dream. And then, 
It ended. It was time for me to go. Bittersweet. I think that's what it's called. It was great to know I hadn't lost myself to grief, that I could once again bounce back, pick up my shattered pieces, mold them together so that I could once again go home and be the answer key to my family with just what exactly they'd missed. From the call that Grandpa was sick, to the military burial and the sounds of rifles blasting, and me being handed the American flag in his honor. David was a selfless man who worried he'd taken advantage of me, and some might say he did, but, I repeat, he was the second man to save my life. I just want to stop for a minute and ask you to please leave a comment. Tell me if you don't like something as much as you might love something. Reviews and comments are the only way I can make myself better. And you can do it right there on iTunes or Audioboom. You can even find me on my website, sugarmom.net. But I would really appreciate if you just even click a few stars. It keeps me going in the right direction. It's Robin Marshall, and the podcast is called Sugar Mom. Chapter 32. The Gender Trap. I finished the cleanup, wondering constantly, almost game-like, if I can clean this table, maybe it would be the equivalent of cleaning up memory A. Or if I clean up what's growing under his couch, maybe I could put memory B to rest, and on and on for days. I was playing poker, chess, twister, and scrabble all inside my head with the hopes of a win, but I wound up closest to a draw, if anything at all. I can't begin to tell you how difficult it was. I had to clean out the mounds of trash, wipe and disinfect the furniture so it could be sold, cleaned the faded stained carpet, and did my best to hide the hanging kitchen cabinet doors and faded peeling wallpaper. In the end, it was still a handyman's special that hopefully would sell so I could move on with my own life. I priced it very low to avoid having the continued noose around my neck, I'd been hung out to dry by both men that mattered and was left with many hang-ups as a result. I packed up my dad's car with what little I'd found worth saving, gave my dad's girlfriend hugs and kisses, and threw myself at David. It was almost like I was silently begging him to keep me hostage. I don't want to face the next part of my life. I'm scared. Please continue to protect me. We knew it was time. He had a girlfriend, unbelievably. How had he juggled me for ten days, having her in his life, too? When asked, his answer was simple. I've never experienced anything like this in my life, and I don't want to give it up until it's over. He kept me safe from myself, as I'd never needed so much in my lifetime. If this was being a kept woman, I'd have liked to have kept him in my back pocket for the rest of my life. I had my kids waiting, a job to pursue, and my dad's place successfully on the market, so I got in the overpacked car and I drove home. For four hours, I listened to nothing. No radio, no phone calls. I couldn't listen to music, talk, or even static. I'd had enough noise going on inside my own head, sort of like an out-of-tune orchestra whose strings were strung too tight. When you start thinking in dark metaphors, a drastic change is necessary. I needed to keep moving forward while dusting off the residue of my dad, husband, 
and ex-boss. I knew in order to complete the transformation, I had to hatch a plan to make money and maybe even allow myself the luxury of enjoying my newfound freedom. No husband, no boss, no father to guide me with direction or misdirection. I looked at and analyzed my attributes. They involved my ability to be smart, cunning, intuitive, flirtatious, seductive, and just downright sexy. I just spent the last 10 days relearning that I owned those skills. What to do with these puzzle pieces, while also knowing I work well with incentive. My winning hand is offering the potential for sex through flirting. It's the potential that makes men happy. The longer I can put it off, unbeknownst to them, the happier they really are. They'll never admit that their imaginations run rampant, especially with my master plan of making them feel like they're the one who I've been waiting for all my life. Scarily enough, if I say it and play it, I mean it and feel it. Especially if he is the right one, even for that monumental moment in time. It's nothing different than being a great actor. So far, I haven't needed the drama classes. And that's a good thing because every man I meet says, I don't want drama. I couldn't act if I wanted to because I truly feel everything. I wonder what my dad would think about my newly hatching career. Remembering his words of wisdom, lady in public, I am. Whore in the bedroom, where I'm headed. The words I wait to hear which are, I'm imagining, the equivalent to what a used car salesman dreams of hearing when trying to close his deal. Does the radio work? When he hears that, he's undoubtedly insured of a check in hand. My words of confirmation from a man are, You've got my attention. Slam dunk. He's mine. Chapter 33 Testosterone is not an Italian sports car. By the time I reached my home, I had honed most of my thoughts so that they were at least bearable, and even while in my own state of denial, I couldn't deny the sense they made. I feel my heart race as I remember those last few miles of the journey. I knew I was getting very close to the part where I had to pretend I was the same person that had left for Baltimore a month ago. I met a girl who sang the blues. I asked her for some happy news. But she just smiled and walked away. I felt like her, the girl that smiled and walked away. I held my head up high for those next couple of weeks, digressing, regressing, progressing, even depressing. I'm not sure which one was most aggressive, while back to being the mom, the daughter without a parent, and searching desperately for a job and a future. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I remember hearing those words from my mom when my dad lost many jobs over the years. I remember feeling her anguish and wondering why it didn't seem to affect my dad like it affected her. It was almost like she had been the one that lost the jobs, not him. She took it so very much to heart each time he'd lose his job. With each of his job losses, there was another chink in my mother's armor although he took it in stride. Even as a little girl, I can remember that somehow he'd always wind up with something better, 
As he grew more successful, many people became fans. While my mom kept losing optimism and faith with each of his success stories, I also remember her telling me that her dad had been in and out of jail while she was growing up. A used car salesman who'd continuously write bad checks, another man who couldn't offer the emotional or financial support for his spouse. Why do we do this to ourselves? Look at the trend. My grandfather did it to my grandmother. My dad did it to my mom, and I married a man that did it to me. Testosterone was the answer that pretty much changed my life. I realized that no matter what I looked like. If I could make a man excited enough, and those levels of testosterone rose, I would forever be a goddess to them. It was all about how you play the game of seduction, and throughout the years, I'd learned the tricks to turn the tricks. I took what I learned about sex, desire, intrigue, seduction, and almost like an X-rated paper doll, I donned all the pieces. Sex was the panties, desire was the bra, seduction was worn as a garter belt, testosterone was a dildo held in the paper doll's hand. I was ready. I know the course I took was radical, but it worked more like a work in progress, as it answered so many questions about me, offered so many explanations, and it took care of so many desires and needs all at once. I was needed. I was wanted. Even more so, I was desired. I was flirty. I had fun. I got laid. I made money. I took care of my kids. I was over forty. I was defying all the odds. Once again, flying by the seat of my pants or lack thereof. Breaking for a minute, just to ask you one more time, please. If you like the book, you like what you're hearing, leave me a comment or a review would be really nice. You could do it on iTunes or Audio Boom, any podcast platform you're listening to this on. Every single comment matters to me. Or even leave me some stars checked off if you like the book. I'm always open to suggestions, comments, your feelings. You can plaster them right there. Tell me what you feel. Can you relate to Dora? Could you do what she has done, or do you think she's just white trash? Come on, there's no gray in this story. It's all black and white. I'd love to know what you think. Let's continue on. Chapter thirty-four. I know Victoria's secret. I look down at what I'm wearing and realize how important a role sexy lingerie has played in my life. Becoming a sugar baby made so much sense. It was easy, from marriage to broken vows to an affair after the destruction of the marriage to moving out with my kids. I just stepped across the line. When I think back and wonder, how did I really get to this point? I realized this time was different. I wasn't jumping in head first as usual. I had done this in steps. I was methodical, a word that's not normally associated with me. At this point, my life had become a four-lane highway, two of which traveled back to the way I'd been: anxious, abused, broke, and lonely. With the other two lanes offering unchartered territory, a place to travel towards, another identity, sex, money, and company. 
It was a frightening consideration, even with the perks. After looking at several Sugar Daddy websites, I noticed that the average age was 25, and being at the age of 45, which may have deterred other women, it did not stop me. I said to myself, yes, I can do it. And then I just did it. I did the next unexpected thing. Another highly unusual first for me. I read the directions. Chapter 35 About Me The first step was to create a profile. I did nothing but tell the truth, although while posting pictures that I'd taken of myself, I never showed my face. I posted seductive R-rated photos and expressed everything I was, could be, and wanted out of life. I asked for a strong man along with a dollar figure and offered sex and companionship in return. I laid it all out. I doubt most women my age would be daring enough to not only do this, but to compete with others half their age. I looked at it plainly and simply and thought, I need to feed my kids. I need to pay the rent. I can be selective and only be with a man that turns me on. It was my way of keeping the fun factor intact. Without fun, I may lose the will to do it. My age? I used it as a plus. I have experience. I think of a man's needs before my own. I always have. It's my M.O. I would take care of him so that he'd want to have me back. Younger women may not have that knowledge. Here's what I posted as my profile. About me. I am an attractive woman in her late 40s, very seductive and flirtatious. Some use the word cougar. I just use the word sexy. I have a great voice, too, perfect for whispering and having you remember each moment we're together. I enjoy knowing that I can turn a man on with just a look or a touch. And believe me, I can. But you've got to be the right man. Chemistry must be huge. Even though I'm not a college student, I'm wanting to be cared for on a monthly basis or by the visit by a man I feel attracted to. I only want what I'm worth. I'll let you determine that after meeting, and then I'll listen to what you'd like to offer. I believe in being fair, but again, I must be turned on. Having said that, a tall, strong, and attractive man is the only man I'm interested in. Strong meaning someone I can believe in, lean on if need be, and trust. Attractive can also be shown in someone's character. If you are this man and agree with all I've said, I will in turn let you know just how appreciative I am of your strength. My compensation for you will be priceless. I cannot stress this enough. If you're not a paying member, I can't respond to you, because neither am I. So please don't be offended if you don't hear from me. Some of you have sent me beautiful notes that I'd love to respond to, but I don't feel it's my place to pay for a membership and would very much appreciate it if you did. Very frustrating to read an email and not be able to respond. I feel this way. If you're truly looking for a sexual, intimate, ongoing relationship, and you can't pay for the membership, then you probably couldn't afford what I have to give. My honesty alone is worth tons. My kisses are habitual. 
I love to kiss, and I'm hoping I'd love to be kissed by you. I put it all up on the web and waited. It took one hour for the first response. The feeling was that of shock, denial, fear, as in, now look what you've done. How are you going to get yourself out of this one? Combine this with unexpected pleasure and sheer delight that a man might want to really pay me for pleasure on my terms? This was unbelievable to me. The businesswoman in me came out and sputtering those stupid words like, Idiot! Why didn't you think of this ten years ago? Twenty years ago, you could have made a fortune. Of course, twenty years ago was an entirely different mindset, and if I had even let myself think this way back then, I would have checked myself into the nearest clinic for evaluation. Twenty years is a different life. Smoke and mirrors show up in different degrees and angles, where we're more forthcoming when we're younger. We know to show our good sides as we get older. As a result, I remember running from the computer to my bathroom to look in the mirror just to make sure I'd given a proper description and that the photos I'd taken were a good representation of myself. The last thing a woman would want would be to disappoint her suitor due to airbrushing. No, I put up the real deal. Whether a wrinkle or a spot, along with a pretty and daring smile, from the mouth down, no face shot, no way. Yes, I was flirting with danger, but carefully so. Imagine being the newbie and having to answer a man's email who's genuinely interested in you for sex and great company. My concern, which is kind of scary in retrospect, was not about, what if he doesn't like me? It was, how do I bring up the money without sounding like a hooker? Ha! Huh. I turned it around as best I could and said, did you read my profile? Do you understand how serious I am about the attraction? I'm willing to meet you. And if there is that attraction, maybe we'd consider trying it out. So please be prepared. Protection is most important to me. The fact that I could say the following words still blows my mind. None of your fluids will enter my body in any way, shape, or form, from below or above, period. How brazen I felt. The very first response I received was asking, Can I come in your mouth? I told him, No. Read my profile. You have to respect my bottom line decision. My fee, consulting fee, is $500 for the time spent, in addition to and including dinner, drinks, and sex, if we get that far. Let's call the first guy eye candy guy. He didn't bat an eye and began to tell me what he wanted. It was a business transaction. Luckily, I had business skills from those non-sexual companies previously owned. He was my first. He wanted me to wear high heels and a short dress, which lucky for me fit very well with my long shapely legs. I sat at the bar, legs crossed. I saw him coming, recognizing him from his photos as he approached me and I uncrossed my legs and recrossed them in plain sight. Some old habits just never die. And let me tell you, he got it. You're late. I almost left, I said, taking the lead immediately, and kept it all night. 
We'd had several phone conversations, so I knew his personality, what he wanted, wished for, and what I was capable of giving him. It was the first time in a long time that I'd let another man undress me. He pulled my dress up over my head to find nothing underneath. When I heard him catch his breath, I knew I'd won. Pay me now. Let me see your protection. Or I put my dress back on and go home. He pulled out the money, stuck it in my purse, and left the condom in plain sight. Took me to a wonderful restaurant where he'd made it perfectly clear that I was to be his eye candy for the rest of the world to see. He wanted public displays of affection, flirting, sucking on his fingers, kissing, feeling my nipples through my dress, reaching under the table to feel what was under the dress. He got all he asked for and more. I felt hotter than I had in years and knew the rent would be paid. I'd found something I could do for a few minutes, even for the next few years. I met the job description and was way qualified, not only physically, but attitudinally. I'd made arrangements with someone to watch my kids, so I took it even further and spent the night. In the morning, he left to get us coffee, came back, very businesslike, and got dressed. I followed suit and learned how to turn it off as quickly as I'd turned it on. I had gained enough confidence from one sugar daddy affair to move on to my second encounter. This guy couldn't possibly be the only game in town, so I went back to the website and chose from door number two. Now you can see the great lengths Dora will go to to serve, protect, and hide from what life had thrown her way. Trying to make the best of it meant she had to give up most of it. Next Thursday, the return of the Diary of a Sugar Mom. It's Robin Marshall, the Sugar Mom. Thanks again. And don't forget, please, whatever platform you're listening on, iTunes, leave me a comment, leave me a review, click a star. It helps me to know what you like and don't like. I would love to hear from you. And I'm being very genuine. And I hope you can recognize that. Thank you again for listening and sharing time with me. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. A Westwood One podcast production.